Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. The Utes are Rose Bowl bound for a battle against Ohio State. The Utah Utes headed to the Rose Bowl for the first time in program history. Emphatic champions. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena is right here on the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. My whole goal in life, Ben, is to get to the to, to that point where I can't be that bitter. It's pretty crazy to look back at salaries for the NBA. We're talking about Raja Bell and the uh, break. And, you know, he had kind of weird end of his career. What would your guess be? I do like this game. What would your guess be on how much you think Raja Bell made in his career? Career earnings. Yeah. Because... NBA salaries are insane right now, and I'm happy these guys make as much money as they but can. But it's different. It's way different than it was. Even when we and this thought, was 2012, 2013, yeah, yeah. Raja was making a lot. I remember. All right. Remember, Raja left the Jazz and signed this like unbelievable contract with the Phoenix Suns that the Jazz couldn't match. But it was like nine million bucks, right? You know, so I'm like, I'll, I'll say that Raja made twenty five million. He made thirty six million. Okay, so probably a little bit more than we thought. But you look back at his stats; he had like eight years in a row where he sh- scored double digits. Between 2003-2004, which is his first kind of breakout year with the Jazz, he averaged 11 points, then he went 12 points. I mean, you can go through up until 2010, so really six seasons, seven seasons, he averaged double digits scoring. He shot like 42% from the three-point line. I mean, it was a, you know, was a top value, 25 defender player in yeah. the NBA. He was never like a Kobe stopper, but that's kind of was his value. And he played on good teams, and he was making... $4 million a season. Mm. And now, I mean, $36 million in career earnings. Literally, I think that's less than Rudy Gobert makes this year. Right? I think Gobert's single season this year is more than all of Raja Bell made in, what, a decade in the NBA. Well, Donovan Mitchell will make 
more will make more than two hundred million bucks over his career. Yeah, five probably, year, he said a five year, two hundred five million dollar deal. Oh yeah, so he could hit about average of forty. So more, so he could hit three hundred million dollars potentially if he added another big deal. Oh, I mean, well, here's the thing: Rudy's already made a hundred million dollars right. in his career. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Rudy's yeah, has gonna thirty five this million. season. And then goes 38, 41, 43, 47. That is crazy. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is going to make a half billion dollars in his career in the NBA. Easily. Hmm. Easily. Because he's already done, he's already made probably 50. He just signed this $200 million deal. He'll actually opt out of the final year and sign another Supermax deal because he'll be that level of player that's going to be worth $350 million bucks on top of the 150 he's already made. Like, he's easily going to surpass hmm. a half billion dollars. But... I think that brings us to our point, which we were talking about Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yes, it does. How Randomly. incredible how some that, of these contracts are. How that conversation started. Really, how the conversation started, and and we'll we'll talk a little NBA here, and uh, and talk about the Jazz as well as we were talking about the Lakers. How they could possibly lose to the Nets at home on Christmas Day. The extraordinarily shorthanded Nets. Uh, but did have uh, James Harden. But didn't have Kevin Durant. <laughs> didn't have Kevin Durant. And we were talking about how Russell Westbrook uh, had a triple double and. The triple-double does not mean what it used to. I've been saying this for a long time now. Yeah. But I had a triple-double, 13, 12 boards, and 11 assists, but went 4 of 20 and was minus 23. LeBron James played 40 minutes in that game, Ben, and was plus 9. He had 39 points, 9 boards, 7 assists. He was plus 9. That means in the 8 minutes that he didn't play, Ben, the Lakers were just hot garbage. Hot garbage. Oh, correct. Insane. And Russell Westbrook, the Lakers might be better if they Rajah Belled him, which was the way off the air we got to Rajah Bell, where the Lakers could just pay him to go away. Because they can't trade him. There's nobody in their right mind trading for that contract. I can't believe the Lakers traded for that contract. At the time, everyone thought it was crazy. I tried to give some leeway to the fact that he's a pretty good, he has been a good regular season player. He's productive. He allows Braun to take games off. And you know what the thing is? He doesn't even allow LeBron to take games off any night anymore. LeBron had, what, 39? Do you have this box score pulled up against Portland? Yeah, yeah. Le- LeBron was... Yeah, he had 39, was nine absurd. rebounds, seven assists, three steals, and a block, and was plus nine like in he, his 40 minutes. LeBron is still the perfect NBA player, and the team around him is so bad it no longer matters. I saw, we saw Bill Orham. He used to write for the Tribune here locally. Bill Orham said no team has ever wasted LeBron's gifts more than the Lakers are right now, which that's scathing. I mean, that is a very, very serious cut to take at the, the Lakers. But it's hard to argue. This is the end of his career when LeBron should have handpicked, and unfortunately this may be the problem, is he kind of has handpicked pieces yeah, around him. and he picks the wrong pieces. He should be coasting to championships, and they've lost five in a row, and he's playing on... Maybe the least enjoyable LeBron team we've ever watched. GM LeBron has always been terrible. That's true. But LeBron's still incredible. Oh, he's still great. But, you know. It just doesn't matter anymore. I mean, he he signed all his buddies who have one foot in the grave. He's a <laughs> and trade proverbial for, NBA for, grave. For, yeah. And trade for Russell Westbrook. He's averaging the second most points he has, speaking of LeBron, since the 2011-2012 season. So nine years ago. In fact, Roger Bell was still in the NBA at this point, if I think we're bringing this full circle. His 27.4 point per game average is second only to 2016-20, or 2017-2018, when he averaged 27.5. So almost identical, and he could very easily bump that number up to where it's his highest point per game total in more than a decade, and he's on the worst basketball team he's ever played on. 
He played 40 minutes Christmas Day to take an L. Can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. And, I mean, what do you do? Seriously, what do you do if you're the Lakers? Because you can't trade Russ. Russ is untradeable. Your options are, honestly, like, would you trade Anthony Davis at this point? He's your best piece of the future, but he's not helping you right now. He's not good right now. I mean, I know he's out for the next four weeks because he's dealing with his injury, but man, oh, this roster, Jake, it's brutal. It's brutal because you start looking beyond Anthony Davis and there's no value on the team. LeBron, you can't trade because he's LeBron. Russell, you can't trade because he's got the worst contract in the NBA right now. That leaves you with Anthony Davis, and then your next highest score is Carmelo Anthony at 13 points. Nobody wants Carmelo. Nope. And you're not getting a better value for Carmelo by trading him. He's on the, the league minimum right now, and he's giving you pretty pretty decent numbers at 13 points a game and, and shooting almost 40% from the three-point line. Taylor Horton Tucker, who we joked about LeBron <laughs> trying to praise on social media so they could trade to him. To create value. But he's only at 11 points a game, and no one really, and he shoots 38% from the floor. Not the three-point line. <laughs> from the floor. <laughs> and he shoots 23% from the three-point line. His effective field goal percentage is 42. League average is 50. So he's awful. Malik Monk, not a guy. Isaiah Thomas, they waved after four games. He was their seventh leading scorer this season. <laughs> Trevor Ariza can't play anymore. Stanley Johnson's a mercenary. Seiko Dumbaya is not playing, even though he was a lottery pick. Just awful. Honestly, your only option, if you really think you can bring it all together this year and you think you still have a chance to win a championship or this is your last great opportunity to do it, might be to trade Anthony Davis. Which they will never do. I for reasons. they can do. Well, there's reasons that have nothing to do with basketball. Rich Paul isn't sending yeah, Anthony Davis out of L.A. That's that true. ain't happening. Unless he's going to, like, Miami. Unless you're sending him... Even then, it's not the Lakers. Correct. You're not moving You're not moving your bread and butter after LeBron's gone right. out yeah, of and that's L.A. The thing. That's the thing. It, this is the plant. This is the seed that Rich Paul now has in Los Angeles as, like, the star of the Lakers. Yes. Even if he never wins at a high level, yes. he's a huge name. The Lakers are always going to matter, and it's going to be Anthony Davis' team. He ain't going nowhere, Ben. I mean, the Lakers really might be... Stuck. Stuck. They, they might, are stuck. They might have stepped in the cement and waited too long and never pulled their feet out, and now they're just going to be looking around for the end. Like, kind of where the Jazz were in... 2000, 2001, 2002, which is you couldn't move on from John and Carl until they wanted to move on, and you couldn't win with them. So it's just a difficult spot. Wow. It's funny, and it it happens so quickly. And the Lakers will bounce back. Like They'll have a streak where they win five games in a row. It's not like this five-game losing streak is what they're going to look like forever, but it certainly is more accurate to who they are this season than anything else I think they're going to do. 16 and 18, and currently in seventh in the West. 16 and 18. They're below 500. They have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on their roster, and they're below 500 because the rest of the team is so bad. Even the Clippers without Kawhi are better. But the Clippers, of course, just got the news that Paul George has an elbow injury. May not come back this season. They're going to reevaluate him in three or four weeks, not because he's undergoing a procedure. They're going to let Paul George rest for three or four weeks and hope it fixes it. And if it doesn't fix it, his season's probably over. They should just shelve both those guys for the entire year. Try and do the... uh, Here's the problem. You remember the the Spurs through that season in, what, 1996? To get Tim Duncan? To get Tim Duncan. They own their own draft pick. The Clippers don't have any draft picks. Oh, great point. So if they they 
cancel their whole season, the Thunder get like <laughs> the third overall pick this year. Wow. You know, and I'm sure there's some protections on these picks that they have. But yeah, that's the problem. You trade all these pieces, as I've told you about the difficulty of rebuilding for a team like Oklahoma City. It's like you need some of these picks to pan out. Maybe this actually works for them, where the Clippers end up with a hurt Kawhi and a hurt Paul George, and then that pick ends up being better than we expected. But man, you invest so heavily if you're the Clippers to get this. Uh, to put this championship team together and you have a player in Kawhi who hates the regular season and isn't going to work hard to come back to play in it and then even when he comes back won't be ready to play this year in the playoffs even if he you know at full health he's not going to be back to in, in his 100% rhythm his perfect flow to you, win you wouldn't think so although and then you might not have Paul George the West is just wide open the West stinks the West stinks it stinks yeah for, for the first time since the 90s probably Maybe even before. The West is not good. And Golden State and Phoenix played a, a really fun game on Christmas Day. And, uh, I, you know, those teams and Israel, the Jazz in there, I think are, are pretty bona fide good teams. And But Memphis is is in fourth right now, 20 and 14. As they Which good are, for them. Are certainly making the next step. But I, I don't know if I'm throwing them into contender status. And then it just gets ugly from there. Then it's the Clippers at 17 and 16 and fifth. The Nuggets. At 16 and 16 and 6th, the Lakers in 7th, as we said, at 16 and 18, followed by Dallas at 15 and 17, Minnesota at 15 and 17, and San Antonio at 14 and 18. Hey, Jake, it's funny to look at. Like, nobody's playing well. Like, I wrote about this. This is my my take after the the Jazz beat Dallas. was like, Jazz have won three in a row, and not a single win has felt easy. Every single one of this Jazz three-game win streak has been really hard. And it's coming on the back of two really bad losses after that eight-game win streak where everything seems super easy. But nobody's playing well. I mean, the Warriors are 8-2 and two in their last 10, but so are the Jazz. The Suns have a worse record in their last 10 games than the Jazz do. They're 7-3. and three. And then the Grizzlies, who are like the red-hot team in the NBA right now, are 6-4. and four. They're a game away. They're a, you know, a crazy buzzer-beater away from being 500 in their last 10 games, which is what the Clippers are, which is what the Nuggets are. The Lakers are below 500. The Mavericks are below 500. The Timberwolves are all below 500 in their last 10 games. The West stinks, man. The West stinks. And that might be the ultimate sign for the Jazz that if you're ever going to go all in, all in, this is the year to do it. Like The proverbial door is open. Yes. Like, really, if you're going to say, hey, this is it, this is the year, there is a piece out there that will give you more consistency off the bench than you're getting from Rudy Gay and Joe Ingles right now. And you need to include a young piece to get there, not Donovan Mitchell, but like a Jared Butler or something like that, which is probably the only young piece that has value. And you're going to team him with an expiring contract or a veteran. But that is, you know, a true difference maker that comes off the bench. This might be the year to pull the trigger. Because, man, I, the, the Warriors keep proving me wrong, and maybe I just need to take them seriously, but it just I just can't buy into it. I just can't quite buy into the, even though they've got the best record in the NBA and they're 27 and 6, I just don't see them as having enough horses at the end of the season to win in the playoffs when it matters, when you can scout them, when you can scout them every single night. Hard to play in the NBA during the regular season, catch them, Steph's incredible. I'm just not sure I buy that when the playoffs come. I think the Suns are going to be really good. I would probably bet, and I'd be curious what your answer is, I would still think Milwaukee's the favorite to win the title this year if I had to put my money on it. Because they have the best player in the league. They've been there before. And if they get healthy by the end of the season, they really haven't had Brooke Lopez this season. They've been pretty beat up. If they get healthy by the end of the season, I think they're the most complete roster still. They have a great coach. Yes. Yeah, I can come along with that. I don't think it's the Nets. I don't think it's the I, Nets. I'm with you on the Warriors, although 
been a little shaken by that lately. I mean, correct. They, they just been, keep winning. Yeah, they, they just won at Phoenix on Christmas. You know, Phoenix was the second best team in the NBA, and they beat them. And I know Phoenix went to the finals last year, but I've never bought in on them. That might be my own blinders Bias, or yeah. something like that. But and and DeAndre Aiden certainly has gotten a lot better. Yeah, I come in Milwaukee. But that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I'm not sold on anyone being no. the favorite. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you have the opportunity this year to go out and get that guy, even if it's you're taking a little bit of a swing of what you're going to miss and what you're giving up, but you're getting something back that you think really pushes you over the top, that maybe in a conservative season, because there's nothing guaranteed about winning a title, maybe you don't do it. Maybe this is the year you do it. If it's available. Yeah, maybe this is the year you just go all in. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Looking at the East... Uh, ben, I mean, are you are you buying Chicago nope, at all? Are nope. we are we? Nope. They're twenty and ten. Yeah, they're they're really good. But like Demar Derozan is their difference maker. Yeah. Like I'm not counting on Demar Derozan to win me a conference semifinal. I still like the Heat, but I feel like I've been waiting for that to turn the corner for a while. Cavs at twenty and thirteen. Like they're the Memphis they're, Grizzlies. Memphis Grizzlies of the East. They're young. They've got a bunch of good players, and they play really hard every night. But there, I don't believe. I like I like the Cavs. So do I. Yeah, yeah, I, I like, like Memphis too. Yeah. I liked watching the Jazz play Memphis in the first round last year. Uh, Philly at seventeen and sixteen. That's so embarrassing. Can you imagine? So embarrassing. Can you imagine if the Jazz right now said, "You know what we're going to do? We're mad at Rudy Gobert, and he doesn't want to play, so we're going to flush an entire year of Donovan Mitchell's career down the season, or down the down the toilet." Daryl Morey is so overrated. It's crazy. It's so he's so overrated. But you have Joel Embiid, who's an MVP level player. You have man, thinking back on Philly. Okay, you had technically it wasn't the seventy six or he was a Philadelphia Warrior. Will Chamberlain's the best player who's ever played in Philadelphia. Next might be Doctor J. I think there's a real argument that Joel Embiid. And Allen Iverson are like your next two players, right? Yeah. Like, okay. And Joel Embiid, I think you could probably argue game in and game out is as good as Allen Iverson was. I get Allen Iverson got them to a finals, and Joel Embiid hasn't done that. But he's a top three or four player you've ever had in your franchise's history. He's an MVP candidate every year right now. And because you're mad at Ben Simmons, you're allowing a full season of Joel Embiid to get flushed. Just and, and, to punish Ben Simmons. And paying, him, and paying him a fortune for the pleasure, by the way. Here, ben, listen, I... There is one skill that Rich Paul is really good at, probably the best agent in the league at, and that's twisting arms. And the reason he's good at it is because it works. He recognizes he has the power. He has Ben's Rich Paul and Ben Simmons have absolutely twisted Philadelphia's arm big time. And Daryl Morey isn't smart enough to realize I lost. He, I've I've got to salvage this situation in the best way possible. It's literally my he's job. He's got to do the thing where it's like, I'll just wait for my arm to go numb, and that'll be me winning. It's like your arm is still twisted. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. That You know what that is? What's the great line in Pulp Fiction? That's pride talking. Yes. That's that's yes. pride talking. Yes. And you're submarining yes. your franchise because you don't want to give Rich Paul the W. Right, and I understand why you don't, because nobody likes getting their arm twisted. But he won. He won. He, and he has all he the won. leverage. He has, he has all the it leverage. all. The players are the leverage because the players are what win. Right. And the players are the product. The you front know, office is not the product. We can make fun of of GM LeBron being crappy all we want because he is bad at it. But the truth is, is that he has all the leverage to do it. Correct. He just twists the franchise arm until they do what he says, and we may not like it, Ben. I'm sure Philly, Philadelphia doesn't like it. I'm sure Daryl Morey didn't like it. But 
we're we're in this little thing we like to call reality, Ben. Yep. <laughs> and, yeah. and the fact that Philly's so bad, and not to get too off the rails here, but the fact that Philly's so bad is just a testament to how bad he is at that job. Yes. That's the thing. He's not proving anybody wrong. No. He's not. <laughs> you can't be two games under 500. Lower, I guess, or a game over 500, excuse me. But you can't be the Philadelphia 76ers, be sitting at 17 and 16, 5 and 5 in your last 10 games, and then look at Ben Simmons and say, I showed you. No, right down <laughs> see, to the point that that see what I did that Ben and and I'm going to tread carefully here, but that Ben has picked even this is how good Rich Paul is at twisting arms. He's picked a reason for Ben Simmons to sit out that nobody can question. Correct. He is in all likelihood Correct. faking mental problems, which is entirely offensive to me. But you can't say that. Correct. It's because ca- there's no way to prove it. So the the franchise can't even go. Hey, look, he's. Correct. Not really correct. Like they can't. His, they're so in a corner that they can't even make him look bad. Right. For basically quitting on the team. Well, and even the, let's let's say the the personal issues aside, he came back for one practice and dogged it so bad that Doc Rivers kicked him out of practice. He had his and phone. then it's not his in fault. A drill. And then it's not his fault because you kicked him out. He came to work and you sent him home. That's no longer Ben Simmons problem no that's your problem but again that goes back to the leverage where the players have all the leverage and hey hurt feelings you don't get it like hey suck it up and play you're being paid a lot of money well yeah his hurt feelings matter in this circumstance and and doc was critical after they lost in the playoffs and i'm fine with that but you got to figure out a way to mend the fence or you got to move the dude but like you said it's real life i it's okay that doc rivers said I don't know if you can win a playoff series with Ben Simmons as your he point guard. He said a guard. championship. A championship. But, yeah, yeah. but yes, I don't know if you can win with Ben Simmons as your point guard. That's probably true. The real life is, though, you just spit in the face of one of your major assets, of Publicly. your leverage piece. Yeah. And you didn't think it would come back and bite you? You didn't think that would have any repercussions? <laughs> It goes back to exactly what you said. It's real life. That is so often what we pretend is not going on here. All of these things matter. Yeah, Russell Westbrook, you can't trade him. It's real life. Like The idea doesn't have any value. What is actually on the table is what matters. And a lot of teams are getting a real weird dose of real life right now this year. It seems like more than most seasons. I wonder uh, what kind of trade deadline we're in for, though. Because you'd think there'd be a lot of franchises that have been would be willing to just cut bait and do an overhaul, like Portland, for example. Yep. But they haven't done anything. Correct. Like nobody in the West did anything this offseason to get better. The only team that was actually active was the Lakers, and they got worse. Yeah. So it, who who overhauls it, and who makes that big move, if anybody? It does feel like the issue for anyone at the trade deadline which i know we're a couple months early on talking about this still but is that does anyone have any idea what they have like do you think anybody right now in the nba looks at the results of their team and says i can trust what i've seen even with all the covid stuff no because i do think one of the issues that nba front offices constantly deal with and look it's right that they deal with this because all 30 teams are doing this Every general manager and every front office member is looking for a reason to disprove what they believe constantly. They have their thoughts, and I think they're constantly trying to undercut themselves to make sure that they don't do these drastic overhauls to their roster every single season. Because if you made your decisions based off of every 
quick counteraction you've had in your head, if everything you made was a reaction to your thoughts, your team would look different every year and you'd get worse. You'd lose every trade because you're just, oh, I, I don't like the way he's playing. I'm going to trade him for somebody else right away. You have to continually undercut your beliefs to be a front office member in the NBA. And I think right now you have so many reasons to undercut what you believe because of the COVID stuff that... I don't think anyone is honestly going to say, well, this is actually who the Philadelphia 76ers are, or this is actually who the Portland Trailblazers are, or this is actually who the Lakers are, even though for everybody else in the world, you can step back and say, real world is Ben Simmons isn't going to help you. Russell Westbrook has ruined the Los Angeles Lakers, and Kyrie Irving has probably ruined the Nets as well. And none of the teams know how to fix it. Because they're too afraid to. Or are unwilling to. They're unwilling to. They're too afraid to. Yeah. Hmm. NBA is a funny world right now, Ben. It's but, it's a th- but it will make for a fun next couple of months. You would think. But the West stinking. I didn't see that coming. No. I didn't see that coming one bit. want to remind you about our friends at Built Bar. Whether it's the double chocolate peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, or salted caramel, enjoy a Built Bar with 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at Built.com. Save 10% off your order using promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Built Bar. We'll have more next. Top three stories at kslsports.com coming up straight ahead. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. The Utes are Rose Bowl bound for a battle against Ohio State. The Utah Utes headed to the Rose Bowl for the first time in program history. Emphatic champions. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena is right here on the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good choice, Megan. We needed this type of energy. On a Monday. On a Monday. Good. All right, Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is what Tony Brothers needed to listen to on a Saturday night before the Christmas game. That guy had no energy in the show. They're ruining the game. Just, I'm so sorry mad to, about yeah, it. Oh, I'm sorry to keep ruining that, but like, honestly, so I'm at this point in my life now. Megan, I'm curious if you're there. Jake, I'm sure you're there. I don't, let's say I, I have a late night. I don't feel it that next morning. I feel it the next next morning. So I knew Tony Brothers Saturday was going to make Monday hard. It wasn't going to make Sunday necessarily all that difficult for me. But it made this morning hard because, yes, we were working until, which we're happy to do. It's a great job. We're very lucky. But, like, Tony Brothers made it unnecessarily difficult and pushed a game unnecessarily late that nobody needed. And I knew it was going to affect today's, the morning of of, of this show for me. And sure enough, Tony Brothers had that impact. Don't waste my time. There, oh, let me let me give you an example, uh, Ben. There's a just a god awful movie called The Talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, and I I remember going to that movie at the theater because you know what I enjoy going to the movie theater, yeah. Ben, and catching a film. Just like I'm sure a lot of folks out there love watching the Utah Jazz and coming to a Utah Jazz game, but that movie was three hours long and was a, a complete waste of time. And it felt like that's what Tony Brothers did to us. And it's exactly what you're saying. It might sound selfish to say, don't waste my time. But how about this? Don't waste anybody's time. Anybody's time. Respect everybody's time. And Tony Brothers didn't respect anybody's time. And there was 20,000 people there, plus everyone watching on TV. And he said, no, 
It's Tony time. It's Tony time. I would love to know what's going on in his personal life that led to the refereeing of that game. Is he grumpy with somebody? Something. All right. Got coal on Christmas morning. Top three stories at kslsports.com. Megan? Number one. Whoa! That's not your voice, Megan. Trying something different. Okay, I like it. Utah's Rose Bowl appearance, a result of 31 years of growth and stability. When do you think this really started? Because technically everything is building towards, correct? You know what I mean? Like, ideally, yes, 30 plus years, going back to Coach Mack, like starting to lay the seeds that this program could become what it is. When did this team really become Rose Bowl bound? When did this become a program that was in that conversation? The day they fired Jim Fossil. You think it was that long ago? <laughs> no, it was the Coach Mac, and and I've talked to him about this uh, a lot. It's fun to host those Football Fridays because you you get into a lot of really cool stuff. But he had a vision for the program that. You know, and some steps to get there, but he had a recruiting plan. He knew Utah's advantages. He, from day one, he, he adjusted the, the way of thinking about missionaries and LDS recruits. Sure. So why are we steering clear of these guys? Right. Just they don't need to just to go be to a little BYU. Bit more patient. Yeah. yeah. It takes a bite out of Lavelle's recruiting. Correct. He, he does what he does recruiting the islands. He had this big plan to lay the foundation. And I truly think that with, Witt has put together what he learned from Urban and Mac and his dad and yeah, others yeah. to be able to have sustained success that has gotten to them to this level. I think it started the day they hired McBride okay. because he knew he had a recipe to win at Utah where other coaches, you know, I make a joke about Jim Fossil. Jim Fossil is a great coach. Went to the Super Bowl, head yeah. coach of the, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, of the Giants. I mean, he, did he go to the Super Bowl twice? Twice, right? I mean, great football coach, obviously, didn't have a recipe to win at Utah. No. I think we get too romantic about the story of college football sometimes because you can have a coach that does so well and leaves and immediately the school falls apart and nothing that they did to lay this, quote, groundwork sticks around. Correct. It can really fall apart. Now, you can't say that at Utah because Witt was there when Mac was there. You know, and then Witt ended up getting was still there under Urban, and then took the next job and ended up being the guy. So I do think there are enough through lines because the reason they're here is Kyle Whittingham. I feel very confident saying that. Now you needed Urban to get to the Fiesta Bowl, but if Urban didn't go to the Fiesta Bowl, Utah was still going to be pretty good. I don't know. Maybe they don't go to the Pac-12, and if they go to the Pac-12, they don't get there. But Urban also inherited a bunch of Max guys, and that's how he won. So NFL guys, yeah, they were awesome. Yeah. So I think yes, you can probably say there's more of a straight line here for Utah. I don't actually think that's the case for every like Kansas football. There's no groundwork there. You can fire a million coaches. The next time they have who was the, who was, the, who was the coach that they had? Oh uh, yeah, who who <laughs> actually beat that, Virginia Tech in the was Orange Bowl? Pretty good. Frentz? Frentz? No. Who was the guy? That, I get he and the guy from Maryland confused. Yeah. Because they're both rotund. Let me... I'm, I'll, I'll go back and I'll find his name. But, like, there were... He was a good coach. But you know who was bad was Les Miles. And there was no carryover from person to person. I don't necessarily think what's going on now with Brian Kelly at LSU has anything to do with Les Miles. And Les Miles was a great coach at LSU. Did a really good job. Won a championship there. I just don't think... There's as much of a through line for a lot of these things as we like to – Mark Mangino. Mark Mangino. <laughs> I don't think there's as, as much of a through line as we like to pretend there is at a lot of schools. I probably believe this more with Utah than I do most. Okay. I'll, the only pushback I'll give you is that 
like is it the foundation that they lay or is it the fact that they're they have built-in advantages like did John Robinson lay the foundation at USC or is it just easy to win at USC? Oh, exactly right. So uh, the argument that I would make for Utah is is that Coach Mack and Witt continued this. I won't give Urban Meyer credit for this. They figured out a formula to win at Utah, which is not an easy place to win. And Ute fans won't like that take, but it's true. It's not an easy place to win. No, it's an easy place to win in the Mountain oh, West. Okay, so this comes up to a, a take I actually had on Twitter that I saw pop back in from our friend Kyle Gunther. And it was from 2015, and it was a bunch of Utah fans were jumping on Kyle for an old take, which, A, shows how good of a take it was originally, if six years ago people are still circling back to it. But he said, Utah will never be able to have an elite defense and an elite offense in the Pac-12 with their current style as long as there's USC around because it's got good, uh, it's got better weather. And essentially, he's right. Utah does not have an elite offense. They they don't. And he actually, what he said is they won't be able to land elite offensive talent. Meaning they won't be able to recruit elite offensive talent as long as they want to have this defensive identity. That was his take. And I actually think that's probably still very true. Utah doesn't land five star offensive players, four star offensive players. Now they develop kids like Brant Keithy absurdly well. Britton Covey, absurdly well. Didn't Brant come in because his brother got recruited? Like, Brant was the lesser of the Keithys. I think it wasn't his brother a defensive end that was supposed to be really good and kind of never panned out, and Brant turned into this great tight end. Same thing with Britton Covey. Just kind of randomly showed up at Utah, ended up really good. These other kids you're getting are a lot of four-star transfers, but you didn't land these kids out of high school. Utah's still not this great recruiting school. So I think back to your point, the built-ins at USC are still there. Maybe one of the best things that Mac did that you already talked about was understanding what Utah's built-in advantages were, and those have stuck around. I think Lavelle did that at BYU, and I think Kalani is using a lot of those lessons. So, I mean, you could say Lavelle built a franchise or built a foundation, but really what he did was figure out where BYU's niche is and capitalize on it. So, I don't know. I like that discussion, though. Let's move on. Megan? Number two. Aaron Rodgers surpasses Brett Favre for Packers' all-time touchdown record. He said he's playing mad. He's angry, Ben. And he's only thrown like Oh, I should have this up. I'm sorry, I don't. He's only thrown like 33 interceptions. No, it can't be that low. I'd have to look it up. But Brett Favre threw like five times the interceptions that uh, Aaron oh, Rodgers. Oh, he's did. a gunslinger. Yeah, is he the best? Is he the best quarterback in Green Bay history? Now I'm asking you to also remember the career of Bart Starr, which I don't expect you to do. But I'm trying to think. Like, I, I is Aaron Rodgers better than Brett Favre? Yes. I think he's probably a better player. Brett Favre felt more... I mean, Brett Favre was the Packers while I was growing up. You know, he was one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. He was always kind of the guy. He was the most exciting football, or certainly the most exciting quarterback to watch play, I thought, in the NFL at the time. But he felt like the Packers. Aaron Rodgers has always felt like the anti-Packers who's stuck in Green Bay. (laughs) Even from... He wanted to play when he got drafted. They didn't play him for whatever his three or four seasons because he was parked behind Brett Favre. He came in. He was obviously the best quarterback on the team and had been there for two years, and they still didn't play him. He was mad at them forever, and he's only gotten increasingly angry at them. So he's always felt like an anti-Packer, even though that's, that's the, the team he plays for. So I don't think he ever feels like you know what I would call Mr. Packer, which would be what Brett Favre is. Like Brett Favre is so ingrained in their identity, and it feels like all Aaron Rodgers has tried to do is fight against him. Okay, but he's still a better player than Brett Oh, Favre. no, not even, it's not close. He's a much better player. Uh, let me see. I was, uh, career stats, Ben. Aaron Rodgers only has 93 
interceptions. It's insane. And now I'm trying to get to uh, to Brett. Oh, Favre's how about this? Here. Brett Favre's career stats in Green Bay: 93 interceptions, 160 touchdowns. Hmm. Let's see. Brett Favre for his career had 336 interceptions. Yeah, but only had 93 with the Packers. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Because he seemed like a guy. He seemed like he had a, a season where he had 93. Man, he threw a lot for the Vikings. <laughs> Correct. Good heavens. And the Jets. Remember his uh, ill-fated year with the Jets? Never go play for the Jets intentionally. Yeah, that was a crazy choice. Never do that. Brett Favre won three straight Super Bowls, or, or three straight MVPs, excuse me, with the uh, with the Packers, and did win a Super Bowl. So he's, he's great. That's that's a lucky, funny, small team. It's, it's crazy Milwaukee has had that type of success. That they had, they went Brett Favre, to Aaron Rodgers, and they also randomly got Giannis Antetokounmpo and won a title in the weirdest of states, in the smallest of towns. They've had a lot of sports success. The Brewers are usually pretty good, too. Yeah, great story. All right, Megan. Number three. Jazz guard Donovan Mitchell to miss upcoming road trip to San Antonio and Portland. Lower back strain. Tweaked his back, yeah. Tweaked his back, left side of his back. Uh, He hurt it against... Uh, the Mavericks on Christmas night, though I, I he looks like he's been laboring for a long time to me. Now, one of the things that was really interesting that uh, Coach Tim Lacombe said, who does the pre half and post with you, is he said Donovan's just so wound so tightly in his hips. That's kind of why he moves. He almost like wiggles a little bit because he's just like he has so much power in his hips and his legs, which is why he is such a crazy leaper. But he's got so much strength in that part of his body. He always looks like he's running around. Whatever that is, like he's got such a muscular system there. He's always like trying to move around it, it feels like. So it looks like he limps. Plus, he has a size 17 shoe, like his crazy long feet, which sometimes I think makes him look like he's running in flippers a little bit. But he always looks like he's playing a little bit banged up to me. He's really looked like it this year. Uh, and now the back has finally caught up to him. And he should miss as many games as he needs to. I mean, we'll see. You know, maybe just limited to this road trip. But honestly, you need to have Donovan Wright going into the playoffs. He's the best offensive player on the team. And uh, as you stated uh, earlier in the show, probably the only player on the Jazz who's actually happy with their role. Yep. Um, but he's got to be right. Got to be healthy. Don't want to mess with the back. And uh, these games ultimately do not matter. Not right now. I mean, you're three games back of the Suns and Warriors. I think if you catch them, you're going to naturally catch them. It's not going to be what happens with these these next two games of him not playing in San Antonio, not playing in Portland, of which I think if you can split, you've probably done a pretty good job if you go one and one on this road trip. Uh, Portland has been good at home this year. They're not necessarily great anymore, but they're, you know, they're four games above 500, horrible on the road. San Antonio's playing their best basketball of the season right now. I told you they're averaging 128 points per game over their last five, so this is going to be a tough game tonight. But if you catch the Suns or the Warriors, it's because those teams kind of take a little bit of a step back, come back down to earth. I don't think there's any hope that the Grizzlies are going to catch you. They're four games back. The Clippers aren't going to catch you. They're going to be without Paul George. Nuggets aren't going to be healthy all season. They're not going to catch up. Lakers are unfixable. Maybe Dallas could put together a run, but Dallas is already eight games back of the Jazz, 30 games in. Like, I just don't think the Jazz are in any danger of losing a top three seed this year. So, yeah, just take it easy. If you need to rest Donovan Mitchell, rest Donovan Mitchell. Who do you want to see play in his, in his absence? Because Quinn's been playing a lot of Trent Forrest, but Trent Forrest has certainly made other teams scouting reports, and they're figuring out how to abuse him. It, I know. You want to see Jared Butler. It might be time to put Jared Butler out there. Throw him out there. Let him dribble. Let him dribble. Loves to dribble. Let him slow down the offense. <laughs> let but him let stop him, that ball. Let him make some mistakes. Is he going to play any defense, Ben? He's not a terrible—he plays with his hands. His problem is he tries on defense. 
but he tr- he tries to steal the ball every time someone's in front of him. It's like you got to play with your feet. Don't stop playing with your hands, which is why he draws fouls. The first play he's in every single game. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if we see maybe a few different guys. Yeah. yeah. All right, stay tuned. Uh, we'll wrap up the show coming up next. Get you ready for Hanson Scotty G, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. The Utes are Rose Bowl bound for a battle against Ohio State. The Utah Utes headed to the Rose Bowl for the first time in program history. Emphatic champions. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena is right here on the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Five and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Blazers coach Chauncey Billups has entered the COVID protocol. Jazz may not see him Wednesday. Monty Williams just entered the COVID protocol as well. He's the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, thankfully, Greg Popovich seems like he'll be healthy tonight, so the Jazz should see him. But again, you go on the road now, you're just going to start seeing it, unfortunately. So Jazz have been lucky to be healthy so far. I, I think we'll be... Uh, keeping an eye out on who ends up being available. And maybe that's, you know, we talked about who do you want to see play right now for the Jazz while they're on this road trip without Donovan Mitchell. This might be a good opportunity just to play Jared Butler because you may need a guy who can play some high-usage minutes. Like, that's the problem with Trent Forrest is I don't think you can give Trent Forrest 25 minutes a game and expect him to do enough to be really productive. No. But he can probably be really good in a minute or two. I don't know if Jared Butler's good in a minute or two of basketball, but he might be better over a 20-minute stretch when he can get to a rhythm. And then he can score a little bit, and then he can do a lot of the little things. But the playing two minutes is probably not very conducive to the things he does well. Um, toward the top of the roster, though, Joe Ingles, I'm guessing, will get the yeah. Joe Ingles uh, will get start. the start. Yeah, maybe you bump up uh, Clarkson and Conley's minutes a little bit. Probably. You can certainly do. Yeah, and you need to. You know, Joe 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 Ingles needs to get going. Joe Ingles just needs. If you're going to win a championship this year, it's because you're going to have your starters playing well and having the chemistry they have, and then you have a real advantage off the bench. And, and right now, Rudy Gay has been really inconsistent after maybe his first week or so with the Jazz when he was really good. Uh, he's been pretty inconsistent. Joe's been inconsistent all season long. He has, and he was really good last year. Had arguably right? his best NBA might season. have been the best six man in the NBA. I mean, there was a real yep. argument that he was better than Jordan Clarkson last year. Jordan Clarkson won the award, but his role is very valuable. Very you got, you valuable. got to have him playing at the highest level, right? And yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we've seen it. We certainly haven't seen it defensively. Yeah, and but, I, I don't know if that's gone because he's 34 now and he just doesn't have that you know the athleticism anymore. But I mean, he was 12 points a game last year. He's under eight now. You know, he's just he's at 45 percent three point shooting last year. He's at 39 percent six percentage points down. Assists are down. Rebounds are down. So. So as backup point guard, maybe a position not to, to merge a couple of conversations we've had today, but if the Jazz are going to shake things up, is that a spot where maybe they could do an upgrade? It would seem weird to go out and get a guard, you know what I mean? But, but I was even watching, I watched Nuggets Clippers last night. I was like, man, you know who's like good as Eric Bledsoe is like weirdly good. And he's not good every night. And I'm sure I could go back and look at his numbers and pick everything that he does apart under a closer, uh, under a you know a better microscope. But, you know, yeah, there's always, there, there's not anyone in this second unit right now with the Jazz that I think is... Other than Hassan Whiteside, yeah, I was going to say, what about who's Hassan? been pretty solid? Mm-hmm. That I wouldn't think that like there's room for improvement there. I think Hassan is perfect for his role at the moment. Yeah, he's pretty good at it. 
And even then, he's not perfect every night. But I don't think you're going out to – you're certainly not going and making a move for a backup center. No. No, no, no. But the, the fact is the Jazz have built their game plan around a center. Yeah. And historically, when that center's come off the floor, it's been rough. Hassan Whiteside is yeah. probably the most capable of playing that role. Yeah, I mean, they, they, there was a reason they felt comfortable giving Derek Favors $30 million, because they, you know, when he was good, he was really good, and the backup center position is, is pretty valuable for the Jazz, because like you said, their whole system is based around being able to run certain things with the center, and, uh, you know, when when Favors came back last year, he just was not the same player, and, and it was a drastic overpay, but at the time, there weren't a lot of people complaining about the Jazz giving him $10 million a season, because you knew when he was at his best, the things he could do well. And then they ended up uh, maximizing his value by moving him. Yeah. Had to attach a first-round pick, unfortunately, but you're glad he's gone. All right. Uh, it is Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake, Scott, Ben Anderson coming up right around the corner. Scotty is here. I'm, I am I was wondering because apparently Scotty was at the Raiders-Broncos I game know. yesterday. Well, he was there yesterday. Did he fly out on Christmas? He must have. Did he leave Christmas night, watch the game, and then come back after the game yesterday? Well, he's here. He's here. But he's gotten used to traveling. That's what he does. Because he does it now a lot for Utah State, so he's always on the always on the road. Uh, stay tuned. Hanson Scotty G coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.